Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think we got some meat on the bone, as they say. You read his work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, HockeyBuzz.com, NHL.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you? I am doing well. We're getting into the some of my favorite part of the offseason. We're getting into draft season, silly season, almost free agent season. So it's, it's good stuff. Bill, before we get to the NHL, let's talk about the AHL because uh, I know you wrote an article about looking back at the 98 Phantoms and the 2005 Calder Cup champion team. And, um, you know, a lot of those players, people will recognize the names. Probably, probably pretty fun revisiting that, that subject for a bit. Uh, for sure. Those were two two pretty magical seasons. And, and of course, the second one, the, the 2005 season, I mean, there was no NHL season that year. Yep. So in, in many ways, the best players were in the AHL that year. And uh, just just that run to winning the Calder Cup, you have you had Mike Richards joining the, joining the team late. You had um, Jeff Carter, Patrick Sharp, R.J. Umberger, uh, Yoni Pitkinen. Um, you know, it was, a, it was one heck of a team there, and and uh, of course, Niedermaki just was insane in the playoffs. That was that was that was a fun run that year. Um, you, you could go up and down. How many guys in that 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 roster? Even you know, even guys like Riley Cote, you know, had NHL careers. It was uh, that, that that was great. And then and then the, the first championship season, which is, it's it's now time time flies, right? But it's already twenty five years ago. Yeah, that's so. crazy to me that that was twenty five years ago. And, um, you know, it kind of launched Carter and Richards into the NHL with a lot of momentum behind them to come in and, and really start making a difference to first round picks. You know, Carter joins uh, that Phantoms team first and then Car and then Richards rather. And Richards just, what did he do at every level? He just won. <laughs> yeah. He just won everywhere, oh, didn't he? Yeah, that, that, that was, uh, you know, and, and in the regular season, of course, Umberger, who was a rookie that year, yep. led the team scoring. And then RJ ended up in the playoffs on, on the third line because they were so deep, um, you know, and, and Patrick Sharp really took a jump that season too in his development. Mm-hmm. It, it was just, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was unbelievable to watch. And, and by the time, by the time they swept Chicago in the finals, it, it was no surprise to anybody that they were now, the, you know, they were the best team in the American league by that point. Bill, let's talk, you know, because of Richards, he's got this, he just won at every level. He had, whatever that intangible thing is of being a winner. Now his career maybe didn't go as long as he would have liked and everybody maybe would have thought got derailed, obviously with some unfortunate circumstances, some of itself created by him. But this is a guy that just had the winning gene. How do you identify that? You know, we're going to talk to Alan McCauley for Wednesday's episode. How do you identify winners? Because that's what you, you need. Winners. You need talent. Yeah. You need speed, you need skill, you need guys who can put the neck, you need guys who can defend, you need guys who can stop the puck, but you need a you need winners. You have just just those certain guys, you know, Bobby Clark being the ultimate example. But you know, the 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 way the way I've heard it phrased is they, they hate to lose more than they love to win. Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean Mike Richards certainly had that. I mean, he was uh Talk about a guy who, who blew people up with big hits, you know, and he wasn't he was far from the biggest guy out there. He just he had that will to compete. And on the shift on the shift, he had a huge hit along the uh on the sidewall just outside the zone to start, you know, the whole yeah, thing. That, 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 that whole sequence that ended that ended with the uh with you know with the empty well, not empty net, but shorthanded goal. Yeah, you know, and there were two chances on that shift too. 
You know, uh, they, they almost scored. And the second time, second time was just, I mean, just pure hustle to get to the puck, either the physicality. I mean, that was, that was Mike Richards at his best, that shift. If you could put it into one single shift, that was certainly the one. Um, and, uh, you know. Coburn was stoned on that first chance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fucking skate, he got all the way back and defended the rush. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah, it was, uh, there was just so, there was so much talent there, you know, and, um, it, it uh, and 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 the as as much grit as the Richards brought, of course, Carter brought the skill and 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 the polish, and it was just yeah. uh hey he had he had just an unbelievable wrist shot, you know, and and um it was just uh yeah it was it was it was really really cool to watch, especially especially with no NHL to watch, so yeah. that uh, you know that yeah, that had to suffice, and, and it felt almost like a Stanley Cup, almost not not quite. There was no NHL, and it still. Not the NHL, but that was uh, that, that was a special thing. Um, I, I think I think in identifying players who have the it factor, though, I I would say that um, well, for one thing, they, they do win at every level, and and it's just uh, it's just a, a certain desire. Peter Forsberg had that too. Yeah, he had that just just that steely will that uh, you know that he, sometimes you just will not let his team lose, and you know. Fopa had that, and and it's just it's not even not even something you can just measure in skill. It, it, it is. It's just a it's just a certain trait, and you you, you know it when you see it. Um, and, and the funny thing is, for some guys, it's it's there their whole careers, and other guys, it's just a little segment of their career. Think think of Keith Primo in two thousand four. Yeah, it's, it's playoff history before then wasn't great, but that was a year when he just would not let the Flyers lose, and and kept picking them kept picking them up at the most crucial times. Right. And, and that, um, so when, when, when you see it, it it's special to see, but yeah, whatever yeah. level. Happens, yeah. One of the guys that's going to be charged with identifying that is the guy that will be on Wednesday's episode, Alan McCauley. And, um, you know, his last two years in junior, Bill, he played for the Ottawa 67s in the OHL in 105 games. He had 90 goals, 104 assists for 194 points. And he gets to the NHL and finds out it ain't easy to score here. I'm not mm-hmm. going to fill it up like that. Um, but was a guy that, you know, would be willing to take on a role. They're trying to build this roster, and we're going to get to some of the latest rumors and innuendo that's out there in a minute. But to to have goes guys that um, know their job, and I think the big word about it for me is accept their role. Because, like, a guy like Alan McCauley, like, he comes out of the Ottawa 67s with just insane numbers. He's a CHL player of the year. But then you get to the NHL and find out, maybe my game's not suited to be a scorer at this level. And you've got to have an acceptance, and that's why he lasted nine years uh, in the NHL. Um, but finding those guys that are willing to accept their role, and you find guys in, in drafts, like Alan McCauley wasn't taken at the top of the draft despite those numbers. But you got to find guys that are willing to accept the job. Yeah, and uh, I'd say the ultimate example is Ian LaPerriere. Yeah. He was he put up you know a, a video, video game kind of numbers in junior hockey, and, and he's in the IHL, and he's a point-per-game guy. You know, and, and even scoring a little bit for St. Louis, you know, at the beginning of his career. But it wasn't going to be his role. He, he played a thousand games in the NHL, playing a very different kind of a role. Um, NHL you know, wasn't a scorer at the NHL level. He, he had to accept a different role, embraced it, made himself the best he could at it. And um, that you need, you need, you know, I, I think I think that's a trait that you need to find in players, too. Are, are you, you know... Are you a guy who, who's in it for the long haul, which often means you adjust your game? And um, you know, the part of part of the fact is too that 
there's there's only so much ice time to go around, and you need a certain amount of ice time if you're gonna score. You need to play on the power play, and and you need to be out there in situations where there's more open ice. And if if your role is something different, it's to check, it's to shut shut teams down, to kill penalties. You know, you you could go one of two different ways. You could resent it and and they think, hey, I, I want I want to be that guy who scores and be the guy out in the power play and at the top of the lineup. You can go, I'm going to be the best player I can be at that role. I'm going to excel at it. And um, those those are the guys who make it in the long haul. So I, I think Macaulay lived that. Um, and I also think it, it involves evolving over time, too. Um, you, you have to stay up with how the game is played. And I, th- I think that one one of the areas I think that Allen's very promising and why some people have mentioned him maybe he's a future general manager, is that he embraces a lot of the new methods, but but still has that knowledge of the traditional approaches too as well. So uh, I'm always I always like hearing Allen's perspectives because because I think he's a really bright guy. Yeah, I do I, I do as well. And the audience can hear him coming up on Wednesday. One of those guys, um, you know, that tried to find his way in the NHL was point per game guys last two years in junior was Scott Lawton Bill uh, in the OHL playing for the Oshawa Generals. He had a 56-point season in 49 games in his last year there. And then he came to the NHL, spent a lot of time in the NHL, and then went back and spent the entire 16-17 season, with the exception of two games, with the Phantoms to find his NHL game. Now we find his name on the rumor charts. Um, I know Elliot Friedman brought him up uh, during uh, Saturday night's broadcast on uh, Hockey Night in Canada that a lot of teams are calling about Scott Lawton, and he's got a lot of interest now. To me, it's really easy to see why he's got interest. Everybody needs the versatile guys. Everybody, you know, these teams looking to go over the top. You know, I, I look at Lawton and I, I, I kind of categorize him like this. He doesn't look like a difference maker, but when you're in a key series, he will make a difference because of all the little things that he can do and the way he can move around in your lineup, center wing, penalty kill, all of those things. And I, I think maybe what happened here is, He's on that list where the Flyers weren't looking to move him for obvious reasons, leadership, the season he had, you know, the effect he can have on younger players. But I think they're finding maybe there's more interest in Scott Lawton around the league, and that could drive a price up. And all of a sudden you put yourself in a position where you got to make a real tough decision. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, Lawton is 29 years old now. Um, a lot of what he brings, you were mentioning the versatility and all that too, and then the effect on the locker room. You know, there's there's the intangible side, and that that you can you can find somebody who's going to put the same numbers that he put up. That that's not the issue. That that's not why you could get a first round pick for him. It's because it's because he's so much of a tone setter before you ever step step on the ice. I, I I've said this before that if you went to a training camp and um, you knew nothing about anyone on anyone on the team, and you were to say, "Who's this guy?" Right, and you go, "Well, looks like uh, what the way he's working his butt off out there. He looks like a guy on a tryout." Mm-hmm. And and lots approaches every day, like he's a guy on a tryout, just trying to make a team because he never cuts any corners. He works his tail off, and the other part of on top of that was that he really cares, and he and the other reason why the Flyers are loath to trade him. Is that he wants to be a flyer? He takes pride in being a flyer. He does. Um, th- th- those are things that um, are not that easy to find. He's, there's, he's not not a mercenary kind of guy. He wants to do it here, but 
you know, if, if you get the right trade, you have to do it because you, you, you're, again, you're thinking long-term, right? Uh, but by the time you're ready to win again, several years down the line, it, it's hard. I mean, you, you want to, he is the kind of guy you want to, as a veteran, even if you're doing a rebuild, you want him around your young players, setting an example for how to do things the right way. But everything has a dollar amount and, and, and a uh, asset value attached to it. And if you get the right offer, you have to take it, honestly. Are you surprised, you know, hearing in the offseason especially, first-round pick for, for a 29-year-old player that – I mean, he's had his, he had his best statistical season. He had 18 goals last year, 25 assists, 43 points, and 78 games. Um, but I mean, a first round pick in the 2023 draft is is gold, right? I mean, this is yeah. In, in, in draft this deep, yeah, yeah. that's uh, yeah. There are some years when a 25th overall pick is not really very different from a middle of the second round pick. Yeah, you know, I, I, this this is not one of those years, especially especially because. You're going to get to a point where there's not consensus and guys are going to slip. And the Flyers already having the 22nd overall pick, that opens a whole realm of possibilities. If that's the way you want to go, you could probably find the guy who drops to you. You could package the two picks, take maybe a mid-round pick and move up. Or you know, maybe you move one of those other picks and move down with one of them and you pick up an additional, like maybe in, you know a second-round pick this year. Maybe a, maybe another asset either this year or next year. So that's a, there's there's a lot of value and a lot of flexibility that that brings, and that's pretty appealing. Yeah, I mean, if you have you got a late twenties, you have twenty two, and you have seven. You pick your player at seven, and then you take those other two picks. You see a player sitting there at seventeen, eighteen, and all of a sudden that you had in, in your top ten, maybe swing a deal and you get up there, and then you can end up with it with a Richards Carter like draft, right? I yeah. mean. And, and you had that with Cutter Gauthier and, you know, some of the other young players and we're hoping for continued development there as well. So um, it really, it really would provide you a lot of flexibility and you already have multiple firsts in next year's draft as well. So yeah. we'll see where That's this good. goes. Yeah. I think it's really, he's one of those guys that I, again, like we talked about Carter Hart last week, we're going to talk about him again in a second, but I get like an anxious feeling thinking about it because I know teams that go through rebuilds that don't have great leadership, things yeah. get really, there's complacency, there's things, the detail's not there in being a pro, and you can't let young players come into the league. And, you know, Torts isn't going to give them an inch, but they need it from one of their, you know, teammates, because it means more when a teammate's holding you accountable than, than the coaching staff, even though the coach holds the hammer. No, for for sure, and you know, you really you need you need a you need a leadership group in the room. Um, a guy like Scott Lawn is such a vital element to any leadership group. Um, you know, he's uh, he holds himself accountable, and, and he works so hard that other guys really feel like I have to work hard too. I you know I can. Um, I don't know that the Flyers have the the guy who's the designated bad cop. That's not really lots. But but I know that the years that they had Wayne Simmons, nobody went nobody went to piss Wayne Simmons off. Nope. And <laughs> um, they, they you know uh, or or before him, you know Chris Pronger. Besides being their number one defenseman, he was the guy nobody wanted to piss off. Nobody wanted Prongs mad at them. And um, and and so you know you, the Flyers would at some point like to have that element again too. It, it, it's hard, it's hard with your veteran leadership. You know you 
that that is that definitely an element that is a part of roster building that you can't find an analytics chart you can't find can't find on, on, on basic stats you, you can't find it you know, there, and there's not a magical formula but it, it it's there, there's just certain elements that you need the leadership piece of it being one of it and um, anytime you're trading a leader who's uh, pretty much universally acknowledged there might not be a more respected guy in that room you really have to go into it carefully but but again when you weigh the value there, there's a certain point where you just have to do it yeah and you know, we talked about it when they extended Scott Lawton instead of trading him at that deadline that the cost for replacement was going to be far more significant than what you lost and and what they and what they ended up paying them as well um Carter Hartbill um we've heard more team names out there you know Buffalo's been mentioned. I mean, all of the obvious goalie candidates or teams that need a goaltender are candidates for a trade when uh, there's a goalie available. But in, I had Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine, the goalie guru, does some stuff for Sportsnet as well. I had him on my Stick to Hockey show, and we were talking about Carter. And, you know, Kevin really looks at everything and the advanced numbers through ClearSight and all that stuff, Steve Ellicott's, um business. And... You know, he portends him, you know, that he's going to end up being a really good goalie in the NHL. He's got the skills. He's got the, the mindset, all of that stuff. Um, but the goalie market is really interesting. Like, you know, Connor Hellebuck's on that market this year. There's Freddie Anderson. There's a lot of guys out there. And we were talking about why you don't get a great return for goaltending. And one of the things that he mentioned, and I want to get your thoughts on it, was that you know, you can have everybody wants two goalies now anyway because of the wear and tear. And then you hope that one of them goes on a tear and goes on a heater at, at playoff time. And, you know, you'll have to pay him a ton of money. So that old notion of having that franchise goalie, like a guy like Brodeur that was with the Devils forever, you know, those kind of guys. It seems like with the two goalie system now, that's kind of fading away. And there's not as many bona fide stud number ones in the league right now. That makes it harder to trade them. I know people keep saying, if you can get a haul, take the haul. But I just don't know that there's a haul there when the player's got one year left, going to be restricted, and then you got to extend them. And, you know, you go, oh, well, Edmonton, well, they, they're already committed good money to Jack Campbell. Are you taking yeah. Jack Campbell? You just took a goalie in Cal Peter, you know. So yeah. th this is not as cut and dry. You, you would think that based on the importance of the position and his skill set, you'd get a, a huge return. But the practicality of that is not there. Yeah, and and just the, as you were saying, you know, the the one A one B arrangement just seems to be the kind of the way things have gone. And but even the fifth goalie for Vegas. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exa exactly. And and you know, if, if you look at a goalie, if a goalie today, and this is, this is a huge workload, a goalie plays fifty five to sixty games. That, that's a big workload. But it, but you know when you when you're weighing it against cap right and you got to get through a season, you know you wouldn't give a you wouldn't give a position player who plays 55, 60, 60 games that and you have only That's so many dollars to go around. Yeah. And the other part of it too is, um, and, and not a guy like Kevin certainly, but I, I think the the average person who looks at it, especially people who've never played the position, myself being one of them. But uh, but I think that um, I think there's a tendency to not know how to rate good goalies on bad teams because if you play on a, a poorest defensive team, it's gonna pull your numbers down, and you know and and when it goes on for long enough, 
it uh, you have a lot of backdoor goals that that kind of thing, right? Um, that's not going to that's not really going to show. It's going to pull it's going to pull down your you know saves above expected and and everything else that goes with it. You have no margin for error uh, on many nights, and I, I think that that a lot of a lot of people that rate goalies don't understand that a good goalie on a particularly struggling team, it, it's going to have an effect. He's not going to put up Vezina kind of numbers or, or top echelon. And then all of a sudden you see a lot of those guys end up on a good team uh, or even a, a contending team. And all of a sudden, it, yeah, yeah. Linus Allmark being a great example this yep. past season. Um, and to me, Carter Hart is very much one of those guys. You put Car- you put an elite team in front of Carter Hart, yeah. Then all of a sudden, he, then all of a sudden, I think he would have almost Vezina kind of numbers, uh, you know, if he stays healthy for a season. And one of the one of the odd things about goaltending, as opposed to other positions too, is whereas a ninety-one percent save percentage is kind of average, ninety-two percent is upper upper league. That's, that's one shot out of one shot of one save out of a hundred shots. Yep, that's one save out of several games yeah and one it's a one percent difference but but it 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 definitely affects the perception of how a goalie's numbers look too um so i I think i think there's all those factors at play and the other part of it too is as you were saying too you know you're gonna walk it's very risky to lock up a goalie into his the number of uh unrestricted free aging years um carter hard for example being two years away from being unrestricted, are, are you going to pay a, a king's ransom? Are you going to lock him up long term, given you know injury risk, injury history, those kind of things? These these aren't you know these aren't easy things to measure, and, and it's hard to set a hard to set a true value for. Yeah, are you going to give up the what it takes for the acquisition, which you know by people's definition is a haul, mm-hmm. coupled with then you're going to sign them to the cap space, yeah, and you know, you see Aiden Hill, who's the fifth goalie that's played for Las Vegas here. They got a great environment for him. You'd love to play that. They block the most shots in the league. They protect the middle unbelievably well. He's got to make great saves and has. Um, but it's it's not going to be so much that it's going to be, you know, out of the ordinary uh, for him. So, you know, the other thing, you look at the some of the advanced numbers for goaltenders, the public ones, and they don't tell the whole a lot of the whole story either because they're based on shot location. And sometimes, you know, a shot, just because it's below the hash mark and the, toward the middle of the ice, that's not the same as as one that comes off a one-time pass across the ice. Yeah. And you can get that shot from that location, and it's set good. You'll take that. But if it comes off of a pass from high to low, below the goal line to out, or across the ice, that's all different. Now the goalie's trying to chase and get to the spot. So, um you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, I want to get to a couple questions, Bill, before we wrap up that, that I gotten on Twitter. And uh, Derek Georgopoulos tweeted in. And uh, the only reason I can say that name so well is I grew up with a guy named John Georgopoulos. So Derek Georgopoulos says, hey, Jason, question for the Monday episode. He said, I didn't get to watch a ton this year because of the uh, changes to SN now. I guess that might be in Canada. He said, uh, but I saw an analytical analytical account, excuse me. Uh, called Evolving Wild that had Noah Cates for the Selkie. Because does the eye test line up with that at all? What are the future expectations? I saw that tweet as well from Evolving Hockey. Um, and his advanced numbers, I guess, according to their model, 
did have him as the best defensive forward in the NHL. He's not Selkie yet. And oddly enough, to win Selkie, you got to be able to put up numbers too. Um, but he was far more advanced at defending in the NHL than any of us thought. Oh, for sure. Especially for a guy who's just transitioning to playing center. Um, yeah, he's, uh, you know, I, I think to get in that Selkie conversation, truly, as you said, there's the offensive part of it too. And people also look at, at face-off numbers. Uh, Noah has a significant way to go on the dot. As he gains experience, some of that will fall in place because they let you cheat more. Um, you know, rookies rookies rarely get uh, the benefit of any doubts on the draw, and they get tossed pretty quickly, <laughs> quite often. Um, no, but he's um, he's really he's really good with uh, keeping j- just the basic art of keeping himself in, in between the puck and the net. Um, doesn't you know doesn't deflect many accidentally. Um, has a strong stick, strong on the walls. Um, you know, doesn't doesn't turn many pucks over. Just and it can be a simple play, just getting the puck out of the zone. Um, all, all those little defensive elements, he's really good at, and also has a tremendous work ethic. I, I think that um, I don't know if he'll ever win a Toki, but uh, but I think that uh, I don't think it was far off base putting him as the best defensive center in the league, just because also, you know, listen, some of it's also Couturier wasn't there. Um, and he's playing hard minutes, and that 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 absolutely helps a player's ranking just because of how, the difficulty of the competition. Um, he never never backs down from it, so I I think that that's that's a realistic, um, that's a realistic you know possibility for for Noah. Um, I I still really like him as a winger too. I, yeah, I, I assume too. I assume he's staying. I assume he's going to stay at center, um, but he's a very good F one. He really creates a lot of turnovers in possession when you have him on left wing and and getting to the net and, and scoring greasy goals. I think well, you lose guys beautifully into into your the teeth of your forecheck too. That's what he does oh, so great reading the reading no, the play. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's just that just is a that's versatility. You can deploy him different ways, but um, but I I think that that he and the young players in general, right? The the tippets and the Yorks and the Frosts. We're the biggest positive this past season for, for the yeah. team. So. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I've gotten a bunch of questions. I want to attribute to one person, but there's been a lot out there that uh, Ivan Fedotov's uh, your, um, military service is ending. Bill, is there a chance that he could come over? I guess there's a chance, but it it, it seems as though it's part be like of the Russian five, right? Get him out the back door. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think part of the part of the uh, agreement for his discharge and pretty you know i don't know I, I i don't know how to phrase it but i but i think that i think part of it was an understanding that he was going to go back and, and play for uh Cieska. so i don't i don't expect him to uh i don't expect him to be over but you don't know a lot long haul honestly i think it's more important to the flyers long term is getting kolosov over here maybe another year yeah put him in the, let him develop a little bit in the ahl get used to the north american game don't get him over at 25 like Shesterkin and Sorokin. You'd rather get yeah. more of those years in an NHL uniform than uh, than over in the KHL. Um, you know, look, it's worked out good for those two goaltenders, but we'll see what they're how long they can play. There's this notion that they're really young goalies and they don't have a lot of wear and tear. That's not true. <laughs> they played a lot of games in the Continental Hockey League, 
So we'll, we'll see where that goes uh, as far as getting uh, one or both of those guys over here. And Cal Peterson in the mix now. What do you think the uh, the prospect looks like for uh, a guy like Sandstrom, Felix Sandstrom? He's the backup for, I guess, like 88% of this season, roughly. Sam Harrison came in, played well. Sam Harrison didn't have to clear waivers. Sandstrom did. They didn't want to lose and didn't want to risk it. You know, look, we don't even know if Carter Hart's going to be here. Uh, but, you know, what is it, what's the future for a guy like Felix Sandstrom? Well, I believe, I believe Felix is group six this year, isn't he? I think he has one. He has one more year. He signed a two-year deal, so he's got one more year. Because there's one more year to go. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I, I think the organization is higher on Sam Harrison. It, it seemed that uh, it seemed that Torts wasn't totally enamored with Sandstrom. Wasn't shy um, about saying it either. Yeah, no, not not none the least. I know a lot of it was the one bad goal a game syndrome. Yep. But you know, sometimes sometimes one bad goal a game. That's you know. Uh, not to throw an old name under the bus, but it was kind of Tommy Soderstrom um, yep. syndrome, you know, where where Tommy would make unbelievable saves sometimes, and then let in something ridiculous, something stupid, yep. um, you know, and it, it plagued them. It plagued them in Philly. It plagued them with the Islanders, and, and Tommy never quite became the number one goalie. Remember, remember, of course, Tommy when he first came with the Flyers had a had a bunch of shutouts as a rookie on a pretty bad team, mm-hmm. um, and he was kind of that kind of pegged as being um you know the, the long-term goalie of the future that time and it just he never developed that consistency and i think i think felix kind of has has the same knock um they seem a little higher in urson so i don't know but you never but you never know because things goalies are a little bit like uh you know like there there's a certain magic or voodoo to it i guess yeah. and, and they can they can suddenly come on in one year fall off of the next um so I think uh, you know I, I I don't want to close the book on Felix, but but I, I would say he's currently on a track to ultimately end up back in Europe and be be a good goalie over there. Um, but uh, you know I I I, I don't want to overread his struggles this year because he was he was in a lot of difficult situations, playing a yeah, lot of twenty days, of, yeah, yeah, between a, games, a lot of game, a lot of days between games, a lot of times playing on the, the second game of a back to back. The third game of a three and four, um, yeah. you know, t- kind of tough opposition sometimes, and he was almost a sacrificial lamb in some games. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to base a career off of off of this past season, but uh, but I think that um, he's got a little bit of an uphill battle. I would agree. Um, last thing for you, Bill, do we see handshakes tomorrow night in Vegas? Do they close it out up three games to one? Yeah, and I, w- I went into the series saying, you know, I have I have Florida in seven. Me too. I, I, I think Vegas is just a just a little too deep, a little too strong. Um, they, you know, Kachuk, his situation's iffy. I I think it ends. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't look right, like shoulder, arm, or something he's yeah. dealing with from that hit. And the other thing too is, I just think they've lost their they lost momentum with the ten days off, and yeah. they've lost their minds a little bit. Trying they, they too have, hard to manufacture. Yeah, yeah, and then they've taken bad penalties. Kachuk being, you know, one of the leaders in that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you, there's, there's a way you you, know, you have to walk that line, and they've walked on the wrong side of it a little too often. Yeah. Um, and not, not just penalty wise too. Sometimes with turnovers, where they're trying to do a little too much. I I, I thought uh, I think it was maybe it was game two. Um, you know, Bob was taking a, a beating on 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 social media. 
and and to to his credit, I think Mike McKenna said, "Well, wait a minute here, like he's constantly being screened by his own guys." Yeah, you know, yep. <laughs> you, you can't battle two teams out there. So. Yeah, that I was talking to Bush last week. He was telling me he's like, I, I didn't want my guy engaging a guy in front of the net because now it became a double screen. It was yeah. two guys I had to work around as opposed to just one. So, um, yeah, and that's been. I think Bob's done a really good job in these playoffs, though, battling through screens. It was a huge issue for him in the regular season, much better in the playoffs. But still, you're up against it in a really good team in Vegas. We'll see if we get handshakes tomorrow night. Great stuff, as always, Bill. Uh, read Bill's stuff at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. We'll continue to find, follow the storylines, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything. Alan McCauley on Wednesday, and we'll talk to everybody then on a brand-new Flyers Tale.